keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information from the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. Now here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Good morning. It is Thursday, February the 10th. 2022. Are or is your baptism valid? Think about the ramifications if you woke up this morning to realize, to your horror, that your baptism was invalid. That meant every confession you made, that meant your confirmation, that meant your communions. I mean, how about your marriage? Oh, Think about the ramifications of that. Father Gerald Murray is going to be our guest. He's a canon lawyer, a priest of the Archdiocese in New York. He's also the author of a book about to come out called Calming the Storm. It's going to be published by the St. Paul Center for Biblical Theology. And we're going to have a conversation with Father Gerald Murray. He's also part of the Papal Posse from Raymond DeRorio's World Over Live, coming up at 35 past this hour. So hopefully you'll be able to join us for that to talk about the story that we we did discuss this. I think it was on Monday or Tuesday, uh, but the ramifications are pretty significant. What does it all mean? And if we have time, we're going to jump into the, uh, there's several stories in the headlines right now about the German synodal path, which just makes my eye roll every single time. Uh, they're, they're pushing for women priests. They're pushing for active homosexuals in the priesthood. They're pushing for a lot of things that are absolutely contrary to what we believe and teach as the Church, and how is it possible that this continues to happen? We're going to try to ask those questions uh, to Father Gerald Murray coming up at 35 past the hour. Also at 15 past the hour, did you know that the Department of Homeland Security has put out a new threat security advisory? Yeah. Misinformation, disinformation needs to be reported. You know, those online sources, they could really be a threat, and you should report them, according to this new advisory. Maybe we'll get into that, I don't know. But what concerns me most, I think, is the Quebec bishops basically saying, you know, we understand government that only vaccinated people should be able to go to Holy Mass. We hope that'll change someday. Really? Is that our response? I don't know. I'm going to jump into that at 15 past the hour in the What's Concerning Us segment. So join us for all of it, if you can. Praise be to God. Good morning to you, Rudy Carlos. Good morning, Joe. And uh, I, for one, am looking forward Mm -hmm. to being in the same prison camp as you. (laughs) <laughs> Once we get ah, that is that is sweet, my friend. Yeah, very nice to nice of you to say. Do you think we'll they'll, like maybe prison camps in like say Hawaii or uh, Tahiti or someplace like with fair weather, maybe like, Fiji? I mean, San Diego would be all right. Imagine being in prison with Fiji water. Yeah, I That'd could see nice. it. I could see it. You Yakara know, Yakara VT Levu. I know. I mean, that they're not sponsoring us. Not, by the way, why do we put prison camps in like the harshest places? All the time. That's so true. Like, who's in charge of this routine? <laughs> like, we should talk to them. Maybe get them on the show and ask them these difficult questions. Great idea. Speaking of prison camps, Adrian Fonseca is here on the ones and twos. Good morning to you, Adrian. Howdy, howdy. Praise be to God. You know, despite the fact that I'm about to be sent off to the gulags, <laughs> it is still good to be here. Praise is be it? to God for it. It, it is. In it spite is. of it all. Despite of the gulags, it is still good to be here. <laughs> yeah, well. And uh, because we're not, this is not going to be the saint of the day, no. I just have to mention Jose Sanchez Del Rio. Yes. Today is his feast day. Yes. Uh, Why isn't he not the saint of the day? Because you said don't do saints that everybody knows. Does everybody know St. Jose Sanchez del Rio? Presumably, everybody knows about know. Jose Sanchez del Rio. I, I would put him on my exception list. He's, <laughs> he's exceptional. Oh, well, he's not on it. Darn it! <laughs> 
So Jose Sanchez del Rio, pray for us. Yes. And uh, I, I've actually done. I've talked about him many, many times in many, many talks I've given. I've talked about Jose Sanchez. He's amazing. Uh, beautiful, wonderful Mexican saint yeah. from uh, Michoacan. So praise be to God. Uh, I had uh, a friend of the show, Jesus Robles, on a, a couple years ago, and we spent uh, a great amount of time talking about the life of St. Jose Sanchez del Rio, an amazing saint. Praise be to God. Um, so I'm, I'm sad now. I, I mean, I don't know who the saint of the day is. I'm sure they're, you know, they're pretty good. I'm sure. They're not bad. But are they St. Jose Sanchez del Rio? Well, this know. saint uh, levitated, uh, bilocated. Oh, okay. And, the uh, whole bilocation the card. And also healed an entire uh, nation of people with just, uh, a, with just a, with a very worthy You're playing hardball. AJ. Okay, I'm just kidding. I just made all that up. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Then I'm sure the saint's going to be great. Praise be to God. Well, hey, by the way, uh, I don't know if I've mentioned this to you. If I have failed you, mea culpa, but your time for getting the car raffle tickets in your hand in order to possibly win a brand new Mercedes is fast approaching and coming to an end. So you might want to hurry. It's a 2022 GLA 250 in night black, and we are going to pull the winner out of the barrel on this show live at the end in less than two weeks now. So at the end of February, go to grnonline.com for the details to get your tickets and to find more information about the rules. That's grnonline.com. Let's jump in. Let's pray. And let's start our hour in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O virgin of virgins, my mother, sinful and sorrowful. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O mother of the word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy, hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. And now your breaking news with Rudy Carlos. Good morning. Thanks for tuning in to Catholic Drive Time. I'm Rudy Carlos, and now your headline news this morning. This segment is sponsored by Fran F. Peterson. Thank you. One America News reports Canada trucker blockade poses risk to supply chain and auto industry, says the White House. White House officials in touch with their counterparts in Canada say the trucker blockade is posing a risk to the auto industry's supply chain. The over two-week-long protest of vaccine mandates has sharply slowed traffic at the busiest bridge connecting Canada and the U.S. Stellantis, a subcompany of Chrysler, said its Windsor, Canada plant had to cut shifts on Tuesday over parts shortages due to the disruptions. Breitbart reports Nancy Pelosi weighs banning congressional stock trades before midterms. Backtracking from her previous position and midterms fastly approaching, House Speaker Pelosi began weighing whether to ban congressional lawmakers from stock trading. 76% of voters believe congressional members and their spouses have an unfair advantage trading stocks, but Pelosi's deliberations have seen complications on whether to provide exemptions for pre-elected stock portfolios. Pelosi was criticized last month by Senator Jeff Merkley for her husband's stock trading activity that allegedly sways her legislative judgment. Collectively, the Pelosi's raked in $4.8 million on tech options in July. And The Blaze reports high school student arrested after allegedly pulling a knife on a classmate who was not wearing a mask. The day that masks became optional in many school districts in Illinois, a Palatine Chicago teenager was arrested on Monday for pulling a knife on a maskless classmate. In an interview, the victim stated she believes she was targeted because she was the only student in her section of the class not wearing a mask. The classroom teacher subdued the threat and no students were injured in the incident. Charges are pending against the offending student. And The Hill reports Canadian-inspired anti-mandate protests spread to New Zealand. 
Inspired by protests in Canada, hundreds of New Zealand residents staged their own anti-COVID-19 mandate protest in Wellington. The mostly unmasked demonstrators gathered around the parliament buildings just before Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern's first yearly speech. During her first parliamentary speech of 2022, Arden told lawmakers that the pandemic would not end with the current Omicron variant, and that the country needed to prepare for future variants. New Zealand officials have enforced some of the world's toughest restrictions to control the spread of the coronavirus. And those are your headline news this morning. God love you. The saint of the day, well, you know, I'm just going to mention two other saints real quick. One, Saint Scholastica is today the sister of Saint Benedict, who died in a cave with her brother whenever she prayed that a storm would keep him there just one more night. And Saint Jose Sanchez de Rio, who, you know, a great Mexican saint, a crucero martyr, who had his feet uh, peeled off the skin off his bottoms of his feet and forced to march. And as he was stabbed to death, he would shout over and over again, Viva Cristo Rey. But the saint of the day is Saint William of Melville. He was born, he's about the uh, 13th, 12th century, about that time. He is a Frenchman by birth, but he spent some years in a desolate life in the military. William went to Rome where he had an interview with Pope Eugene III, who ordered him to make a pilgrimage to Jerusalem in penance for his sins. Wow, my three Hail Marys doesn't seem that bad anymore. He seems to have remained in Jerusalem for up to nine years. And about 1153, he returned to Tuscany, sometimes living as a hermit, sometimes as a member of a religious community. At first, he led a hermit's life in a wood near Pisa. He was prevailed upon to undertake the government of a monastery in the area. But being unsuccessful in attempting to reform the monks' tepidity and indolence, he retired first to Monte Pruno and finally in 1155 in the desert valley of Stabulum Rhodus, he later known as Melaval, in the territory, uh, territory of Castiglione della Pescaia, Diocese of Grosseto, where he joined by Albert. He died on the 10th of February 1157 and was canonized in 1212. After his death, two of his followers formed the Order of St. William, which later joined the Augustinians. St. William of Melaval, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from Mark chapter 7, verses 24 through 30. Jesus went to the district of Tyre. He entered a house and wanted no one to know about it, but he could not escape notice. Soon a woman whose daughter had an unclean spirit heard about him. She came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek a Syrophoenician by birth, and she begged him to drive the demon out of her daughter. He said to her, Let the children be fed first, for it is not right to take the food of the children and throw it to the dogs. She replied and said to him, Lord, even the dogs under the table eat the children's scraps. Then he said to her, For saying this, you may go. The demon has gone out of your daughter. When the woman went home, she found the child lying in bed and the demon gone. The Gospel of the Lord. Peccator, Lord. 
Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. The Goyin dogs. Oh, man. This was a derogatory statement that the Jews love to use about the Gentiles. You know, um, they like to, they love this type of stuff. Even St. Paul would bring this up. You know, you think about the, the, the dividing wall that he speaks of in the, in the temple of the Gentiles versus the temple of the Israelites, in the, uh, the court, rather, the court of the Gentiles and the, the court of the Israelites. I mean, they love to do this type of thing, the Goyin dogs. So what is our Lord doing here using this derogatory comment to this poor woman who's begging the Lord to heal her daughter. Well, Theophilus says he calls the Gentiles dogs as being thought wicked by the Jews, and he means by bread the benefit which the Lord promised to the children, that is to the Jews. The sense, therefore, is that it is not right for the Gentiles first to be partakers of the benefit promised, particularly to the Jews. The reason, therefore, why the Lord does not immediately hear but delays his grace is that he may also show that the faith of the woman was firm and that we may learn not at once to grow weary in prayer, but to continue earnest till we obtain it. That's a powerful uh, lesson for all of us to learn, to remain and have fortitude in our prayer life. In spite of it all, no matter the difficulties, to not give up, right? The Theophilus will go on to say, or else his reason for coming in secret was the Jews should not find occasion of blame against him, as if he had passed over to the unclean Gentiles. Ignatius Catholic Commentary points out that about the dog comment, often a derogatory term in the Bible used in the Old Testament on a number of occasions. Jesus uses it to illustrate the progress of the gospel, just as children are fed before pets, so the gospel is offered to Israel before the Gentiles. The woman, woman's acceptance of this epithet reveals her humility and her unwillingness to be turned away reveals her perseverance. I mean, for the woman, I'm sure she might have been used to being called a going dog by the Israelites, by the Jews in particular. And so this is a test for her. Uh, what are you going to do? And she wins. She succeeds. She passes the test in, in spades, right? She flies through this thing and shows us all through humility to persevere in prayer, to ignore the insults and the slights, and to come and beg the Lord. And our Lord gives her this greatest desire of her heart to heal her daughter, which also tells us that when parents bring their infants to Holy Mother Church, to the Lord himself, not the community, but to the Lord, and asks of it of for baptism on behalf of its infant child, the Lord hears our cries as parents and gives to us this light, making this infant who can't act on its own, gives it the ability to become a Christian, a member of his very own body. Think about that. How wonderful it is to have the opportunity to baptize our infants. We're going to be talking about baptism with Father Gerald Murray and breaking news coming up after the break. Don't go anywhere. A while back, I had a nice little chat with some Jehovah Witness ladies, and they tried to justify their claim to be Christian by saying the early Christians didn't believe Jesus was God. Is this true? Well, of course not. Let me share a few examples. Take John 1.1, where John describes Jesus as the Word and writes the Word was God. Now, in order to get around this, the JWs translate the phrase as the Word was a God. But this is based on a misunderstanding of Greek grammar. Consider also Colossians 2.9, where St. Paul writes, For in him, that is Jesus, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. 
In 1 Corinthians 8, 6, Paul describes Jesus as the one through whom we exist. Isn't God the one ultimately responsible for the existence of things? So, contrary to what the JWs think, to be Christian, you must believe Jesus is God. I'm Carlo Broussard with a ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. Hello, how would you like a chance to win a Mercedes-Benz? What's up with the accent, Dave? Oh, hey, Sissel. Just putting on a posh accent, because this year with the GRN, we're raffling off a pretty... Oh, you mean the 2022 Mercedes-Benz GLA 250? That's right. And that all listeners need to do to get their tickets is to contact their general manager or visit grnonline.com forward slash raffle, and that all the funds raised go to the GRN. Tickets are only one for $25 or five for 100 Yeah, pretty much. Oh, I took over your spot again, didn't I? Well, it was probably for the best. Kelly-o! Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. I'm your host, Joe McClain, keeping you informed and inspired. And uh, coming up at 35 past the hour, Father Gerald Murray, canon lawyer, priest of the Archdiocese of New York, and also a published author coming out with a brand new book, Calming the Storm. It's going to be published by the St. Paul Center coming out early March. It's going to be our guest at 35 past this hour to talk about invalid baptisms, the ramifications of it. And if we have time, we're going to also discuss the German Synod and the the potential of schism in the church again uh, with him coming up in the next segment. So stick around for that if you can. But there are, as I say, several stories in the news that are of great concern to me, and I'm sure, I'm sure they are for you as well. Now, we've been talking about Canada lately. The, uh, we had uh, our friend Al Smith on uh, a couple days ago to talk about not only his book, but also the trucker protests going on up there. By the way, uh, the latest report was the government in Ottawa, who has not yet taken the time to sit down with the protesters to hear their grievances, to try to negotiate a, uh, a peaceful or settlement outcome here. The truckers are being peaceful up there. Uh, However, they do have time to take their gas, and now they've called in welfare to remove children from the families that are in the trucks. So there's that. Uh, But let's talk about a different Canadian subject this morning. This is out of the National Catholic Register. The headline goes, Quebec bishops lament government's COVID vaccine passport for mass attendance. Here's a little bit of the article. The Catholic bishops of Quebec, while registering their opposition to the province's imposition of COVID-19 vaccine passports as a requirement to attend religious services, said this week that they accept the requirement for now and continue to petition the government to end it. Quote, it seems reasonable to us in the present circumstances to accept certain compromises that contribute to the safety and health of all, close quote, the bishops wrote in a February 3rd statement. Going on to say, quote, For the moment, we accept the vaccination passports are required to access worship spaces, even if this measure uh, upsets us deeply. However, we remain in contact with government authorities to to remind them that this requirement goes against our beliefs and to ensure that it will be lifted as soon as it is safe to do so, close quote. Quebec's vaccine passport system, whereby an electronic record functions as a pass for vaccinated individuals to access certain places or activities, has been in place since September the 1st, 2021. The bishops noted that the Dignitatis Humanae of the Second Vatican Council's Declaration on Religious Freedom said that the human person has a right to religious freedom, whereby, quote, no one is to be forced to act in a manner contrary to their own beliefs, whether privately or publicly, whether alone or in association with others within due limits, close quote. 
The bishops qualified their statement by noting that religious freedom, quote, may exceptionally be subject to temporary restrictions for the common good, close quote. Under Quebec Premier Francois Legault's staggered reopening plan, the houses of worship were reopened February 7th by February 21st. Places of worship will be allowed to operate in Quebec at 50% capacity with a maximum of 500 people with the vaccine passport system. The current numerical limit is 250 people and attendees at religious services must stay in their seat and not move around. The guidance reads, hmm, well, there's more to the article, but I guess the point I, that I'm taking away from this is, okay, you're, you're saying, we don't like this, but we're going to go along with it. But in the statement, is there anything about, okay, given these restrictions and these circumstances, and let's just say you, you believe that the necessity of these things uh, because of health concerns, safety reasons, let's just assume that for the sake of the conversation for one moment. Well, okay, so what is your plan then, dear bishops of Quebec? What is your plan to ensure that the unvaccinated Catholics in your dioceses have access to the sacraments? Are they able to go to confession? I mean, at a minimum, I mean, don't, don't you feel like obligated at a very minimum to ensure that your Catholic subjects have uh, opportunity to go to holy confession, to receive sacramental uh, confession? So they can live in a state of grace, especially if they're not going to receive uh, the Holy Eucharist and the food for the soul in helping us journey through this pilgrimage place of earth on our way towards heaven. I mean, uh, is there no access there? Is there a plan to provide that? If you can't do it inside of a building because of the requirements of the state, are you doing it outside of the building? in order to just ensure that they have it. You know, when all of this kicked off back in 2020, I remember the conversation being tossed about when they were closing the doors. And I, again, to just repeat for clarity's sake, was utterly shocked that the Catholic Church had its doors closed in America on Easter Sunday. It is so scandalous and shocking to me, mind-blowing to me. Uh, it, it's, it, I had to go to confession several times about harboring a grudge against the hierarchy of the church as a result of that. <laughs> I remember the confessor's like, please pray for us. <laughs> please pray for us. I, I was, it was a very difficult time for me, and I'm sure you too. But you remember St. Charles Borromeo kept coming up? You know, oh, you know, remember what St. Charles did? He closed the churches. You remember that? He closed the churches. Yeah, but he also moved his mass out into the square because he would not allow the closing of Holy Mass. He made sure his priests went to the plague-ridden subjects of his diocese and to ensure that they still gave them communion. So even though they had the most contagious disease of the plague, it did not stop St. Charles from personally visiting the sick and personally giving a communion to the sick and the dying, the contagious. So maybe he closed his par the church doors, but he moved Holy Mass to the outside in this extraordinary circumstance. He never skipped a beat. He never stopped providing the sacraments to the faithful. So there's that principle, in my opinion. Dear bishops of Ottawa, dear bishops of the Holy World, do you have a plan to do, as His Holiness Pope Francis has suggested, to go out to the marginalized, the disenfranchised, to those on the fringes? I would call them the unvaxxed. He would call them the marginalized. And are you going to embrace them? Are you going to walk with them? Or do you smell like those sheep? Or do you smell like the vaxxed sheep only? 
because we are seeing this divide in the church, and I think it's important for us to make, uh, make decisions. We have to make decisions. I mean, that might be the law of the land, but you, our obligation as the church, as the faithful, is to go out into the world to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, and those that do are saved, and those that don't aren't. Those are the words of our Lord, to provide the sacraments to the faithful so that they have what they need to make this pilgrimage journey. And it's difficult, and I'm not suggesting we break the law. However, I am suggesting that unjust rules, regulations, and laws should not be that which we participate with so freely and, you know, giving ourselves over to them and acting like there aren't ramifications. There are very serious ones. So let's pray for the bishops, all of them. I can't imagine how hard, how much pressure there is to be a bishop in this day. It's got to be insane. And let's pray for their courage. Let's pray for their faith. Let's pray uh, for, uh, for them to have a courage and a moral fortitude in spite of this world and the pressures around them to do the right thing. And I pray for the lay faithful who are not vaccinated. For whatever reason, contact your doctor and ask them for medical advice instead of all the other stuff that we, that we have available to us on, in, online and everywhere else. But let's pray for those that are not able to go to Holy Mass let alone confession, in these dark and difficult days, that that will change very soon, that they will be able to make their sacramental confessions and receive Holy Communion and live in a state of grace. The Germans are up to uh, shenanigans again, apparently. Uh, I don't know, what is, what is it about Germany? Like Martin Luther kicking this whole thing off, and yet here we are, all these 500 plus years later now, and we're still doing this? It seems crazy. The Catholic World Report has a new story out. Our Sunday Visitor has a new uh, uh, story out. Uh, here's the headline from Our Sunday Visitor. Germany's Synodal Assembly calls for change on deacons, bishops, uh, selection. The Synodal Path of the Catholic Church in Germany wants lay people to be able to participate in choosing bishops and wants the church to have women deacons. The third synodal assembly to bring about reforms to the church uh, ended February 5th when the first concrete decisions of the progress of the process rather. Most German bishops signaled they are prepared to support far-reaching change in the Catholic Church. I keep asking myself the very same question every time I read articles like this. If you want far-reaching change, you want, uh, you want female deacons, you want lay folks to decide who their bishops are, you want uh, the homosexual clergy to be active in, in their homosexual lifestyle while being priests. I mean, this is a report out of the Catholic World Report. German synodal members want to back uh, uh, women priests now, too. So you want all these things. You want this transformational change. You want this far-reaching change, according to this article here. Uh, then why not go become Anglican? Why not become Lutheran? Why not uh, break off and, and call it the church of what's happening now? The church of the, uh, of the winds of the times. I mean, you can call it anything you want. Why do you insist on trying to change the Catholic Church? What motivates you in that? What drives you in that? Um, let me skip down here because th there was this pressure to have uh, women apparently change what they want out of the church. This is uh, further down the Our Sunday Visitor article. Again, we can link up to it, but here's a paragraph here. It says, at a news conference after the assembly... Uh, uh, apparently, Irma Set Setter Stetter Carp. Irma Stetter Carp. Hope I'm saying that correctly. 
president of the Central Committee of German Catholics and lay co-president of the Synodal Path, spoke of women's rights in the church. Quote, I have experienced years in which women have made church possible locally in the community, but have not been valued by our church. I am no longer willing to tolerate that. The debate about our access to all offices and ministries, therefore, touches me personally very much. Close quote. You know, it's interesting because uh, my wife and I, for a few years, two, three, four years, we were a participant as a couple in uh, a pre-Cana conference up in New Hampshire. So we were giving talks to couples preparing for holy uh, matrimony, for marriage, for the sacrament. And uh, we'd always ask after we gave our talk, has anybody got any questions? Anybody got any questions? There was only one couple who asked a question. And all that time, no, everybody was checking the box. They could not wait for it to all be over. They wanted to go home as soon as possible, back to their cohabitations and all the rest. I know because I sat in that chair, and that's what I did. That's how I know. And uh, one person asked the question, and they said, why does the church not allow women to become priests? I'm like, the one question we get, that's the one. And uh, I, you know, and I quoted St. John Paul too, because our Lord did not allow for it. It is not within our power, our authority, our ability to change the Lord's desire and intent. And if we look at Our Lady, Queen of Heaven and Earth, the most powerful human person to walk the planet, not, not a God. She is not God. She is a creature. She is the most powerful of all God's creatures in the sense that she is the most holy, giving herself entirely to her divine child. She is the most incredible example, and yet in her humility, she does not dare to tell His Holiness or a cardinal or a bishop what to do, no matter what. Think about that. She is the greatest evangelist in the history of planet Earth. More conversions, millions, are attributed to Our Lady. And yet, in her humility, she does not take command and control of her son's church. Hmm, is there a model there? In humility, we must know our place, and we must be willing to accept it. We'll be right back. Father Gerald Murray and Morris coming up next. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. What is a patron saint? The classic professions such as soldiers or doctors have patron saints who represent the ideal of soldiering or doctoring. And yet, so many of the trades and crafts on which the modern world depends do not have an ideal figure. There is no patron saint of plumbers, for instance, and G.K. Chesterton says there should be. It would be a revolution, for it would inspire each individual plumber to consider that there was once a perfect being who actually did plumb. In the meantime, what do plumbers and the rest of us do? Chesterton says, keep before your eyes the supreme adventure of virtue. If you're kind, think of the man who was kinder than you. That's what is meant by having a patron saint. Want more than a minute? Visit us at Chesterton.org. Between now and February 21st, the GRN is raffling off a 2022 GLA 250 in Midnight Black. And this sweet beauty of a car can be all yours by going to grnonline.com and purchasing five tickets for $100 or $25 for one. All proceeds support Catholic Radio on the GRN. Now that's a deal that's all right, all right, all right. 
Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm Rita Carlos, and now more headlines. Epic Times supports Alberta Lifts vaccine passport program and other COVID-19 restrictions. Jason Kenney, the Alberta Premier, is ending the province's COVID-19 passport requirements. In a news conference, Kenny said that high vaccination rates and declining hospital cases make it possible to end the passport program. Earlier in February, Saskatchewan became the first province in Canada to announce removal of COVID-19-related measures in the coming weeks, followed by Quebec, which will lift most of its public health orders in March, with the exception of mask requirements and the vaccine passport system. And the Blaze reports, Republican lawmaker introduces bill saying no aid for Ukraine until the southern border is secured. U.S. Representative Matt Rosendale introduced legislation that would prevent the U.S. from sending military aid to Ukraine until the U.S. southern border is secured. The Secure America's Border First Act would prevent the U.S. from making any monetary or personnel commitments to assist Kyiv in staving off a potential Russian invasion until there is operational control of the U.S.-Mexico border. Citing the record-high 2 million illegal border crossings in 2021, Rosendale said, We have war hawks on both sides of the aisle willing to go over there and spend American blood and treasure in Ukraine. Rosendale continued, What I'm saying is we're not obligated, and so at least the minimum we can do is secure our own border first, if you're going to go over there and spend money. And LifeSite News reports, Arizona priest resigns after diocese learns he performed invalid baptisms for years. Father Andres Arango, a former member of the Yudas congregation, stepped down as parish priest of St. Gregory's in Phoenix earlier this month after it had been determined that he had been baptizing with invalid forms, possibly as early as 1995. In a letter to parishioners, Bishop Thomas J. Olmsted announced with sincere pastoral concern that Arango had been using the formula, we baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit instead of the approved, I baptize you. A help page created in response to these illicit baptisms explains that if you were baptized using the wrong words, that means your baptism is invalid, and you are not baptized. You will need to be baptized. The diocese added that anyone who was invalidly baptized by Arango must not present themselves for Holy Communion, and that the sacrament of confirmation was not validly conferred. And Defense News reports, for the first time, Black Hawk helicopter flies without anyone aboard. An Alpha model Black Hawk helicopter flew for the first time entirely unmanned as part of a DARPA program. The helicopter flew for over 30 minutes inside over Fort Campbell, Kentucky, and has been in development by Sikorsky, a subdivision of Lockheed Martin and DARPA for roughly six years. And those are your headline news this morning. God love you. Praise be to God in all things. Joining us right now is Father Gerald Murray, canon lawyer, priest of the Archdiocese of New York, pastor of of Holy Family in Manhattan, also author of Calming the Storm, published by St. Paul Center, coming out in early March. Good morning to you, Father Murray. Good morning. Praise be to God, and we're glad for your time today. Um, We want to start by talking about this story about baptisms. Unfortunately, it's not a new story. that uh, There's a release that uh, Rudy just reported on, uh, but it's kind of been a, an issue now for at least a, the last year. This latest one was this priest out of Brazil and Phoenix, Arizona, for apparently the past 20 years has been using a formula that is incorrect and now has invalidated baptisms. I want to start by asking you, uh, what is the issue over the wording in the formula? And then I want to ask, what are the what are the ramifications of that? Father Gerald Murray. Right. Well, the church, the authority of the church uh, has the right to determine the val- valid form of the sacraments. In other words, 
Jesus gave the sacraments to the church, and in the case of baptism, it was a pouring of water accompanied by words, because the Lord said, go out and baptize in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and the church determined priests would do that, or in exceptional cases, even lay people can baptize, but it has to be done with the words, I baptize you, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son of the Holy Spirit. The church did not determine God baptizes you or say, may you be baptized. No, specific words. So the priest or the person doing the baptism intends to do it. Of course, it's the power of the Holy Spirit that operates invisibly while the water is poured and the words are said. So to change the words in any way invalidates it because the church has not approved those formulas. Uh, for instance, what this priest did there in Phoenix, we baptize you with the implication being the whole community doing the baptism. That's not the case. We've also had invalid where uh, priests have used this formula, uh, I baptize in the name of the creator, the redeemer, and the sanctifier, instead of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Those are likewise invalid. So you have to stick, you have to use water and the proper form of words. I I wanna ask a naive question, uh, and I sincerely mean it. How is it possible that a priest wouldn't know that? Well, priests were taught this in the seminary, and I'm sure this priest was taught, and it's right there in the ritual, you know, one of the things you're taught in the seminary, read the words written on the page, but don't we know for the last 50 years, practically, priests at mass changed the words at will, so it became a habit, so when celebrating baptisms, uh, this priest decided that it was better, uh, in his view, to say, we baptize, Uh, that was an act of you know, personal disobedience, and uh, it really was ignorant because it didn't think about the implications that changing the form would invalidate the sacrament. So, I mean, I'm, I'm, this is speculation, but do you think the issue really for this particular priest was um, he struggled with the idea that uh, Christ could act in, uh, through him in this regard? I, I don't, I don't know, because, I, of course, as you say, speculation, we can speculate, you know, to try and figure out what's going on here, that he had a faulty notion uh, that, uh, you know, the priest alone was not the one doing the baptism, was everybody gathered there. But that's not the case. Mm. Uh, the priest is the instrument for uh, the conferral of the sacrament. But the church has determined that lay people could baptize. But again, they have to use the proper form of words. And that's only in an emergency. Uh, Father, what about the intention of the minister? Because I'm, I know intention is part of the requirement for baptism, but what, does that, what exactly does that entail? If a priest is a heretic, for instance, then he can still have a valid baptism, but at what point is his intention erroneous enough that it, it invalidates the sacrament? Yes, the, the intention has to be to do what the church does when the church baptizes. So Uh, You know, in the past, uh, there were many baptisms performed in hospitals by nurses and doctors if a baby was born and the child was, you know, on death's doorstep. And you didn't even have to be a Catholic to do a valid baptism. So Jewish nurses uh, could do baptisms in hospitals. All they had to do was use the form of words, uh, use water and intend in the broadest sense to do what the church does, even if they didn't understand or believe what the church did. So the intent is uh, accompanying the the words. It gives significance to the meaning of what the person is saying. 
Thank you, Father, for joining us. I, um, you know, we have a, a viewer who uh, tunes into our program every now and then, and he had mentioned that he thought maybe his baptism was invalid. And he was asking us questions about what he can do or what is licit. Um, in the story that, that I just read right before our interview, um, it said, the bishop said not to present yourself to Holy Communion. Um, what are the things should people be aware of that uh, maybe they should maybe not do? Or how can they get in touch with their, you know, their bishop to correct this? Right. Well, they'd have to have a, you know, they have to be a reason the person suspects that their baptism was invalid. That would include uh, testimony uh, from someone who was present uh, now in the age of filming. Uh, you know, if the baptism was filmed, uh, videotaped, so to speak, uh, then you could go back and listen to what the priest said. But if you had a well-founded doubt, let's say it was a priest who was notorious, such as this one, for use changing the words, then you simply go to your parish priest and said, I'd like to receive conditional baptism. Mm. And conditional baptism means the priest will baptize you using the form of words and water, but he will add, uh, if you are not baptized, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Uh, so that person would then, uh, if they're already baptized, well, you can't have a second baptism, uh, but if the baptism that they had received was done invalidly, now they're baptized, now they can, uh, can also ask to be confirmed uh, and they can receive Holy Communion, um, and they could also go to confession, because, yes, you have to be baptized in order to receive the other sacraments. Which, I mean, we only have about less than a minute now before we have to go to a quick break, but what are the ramifications? Someone's been invalidly baptized, they don't know it, they've been going to confession, they've been receiving Holy Communion, they've been confirmed. What does this mean for them? I have about just about a minute before we go to break. Yeah, God sees, uh, you know, the whole picture, let's say that, you know, and so therefore the intention of, of the person acting on the knowledge they have, if they were told by their parent, you were baptized at this church and everybody thought it was valid, then they're completely ignorant of the fact that they're not baptized because of a defect of the form. So they should uh, they shouldn't regret and say, oh, my goodness, I was doing something wrong, receiving communion when I wasn't baptized. No, you you acted properly based on the knowledge you had and and certainly your contrition for your sins, even though you couldn't validly be absolved uh, since you weren't baptized. Uh, God uh, is not limited by the sacraments in the sense that he can see the good uh, intention that you had in confessing your sins. Uh, and you acted in good faith, assuming you've been absolved. So, yeah, not to worry about the past, but to take steps right now in the present. All right, uh, Father Gerald Murray is our guest. We're right at a break, so um, we're going to go to this break, come right back, and continue this conversation. I want to bring up the priest from Oklahoma, that situation, what that means. Father Gerald Murray is our guest, canon lawyer, priest of the Archdiocese of New York, and an author of Calming the Storm, published and put out by uh, St. Paul Center. And it's coming out in early March. We'll link to it on our social feeds. But more from Father Murray is coming up next. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. 
That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. This is a Messy Family Minute from Mike and Alicia Hernan. When we see how crazy this world is, we can be tempted to isolate our family on a desert island and leave it all behind. Well, that's not really practical. But one thing you can do is take your family away on your very own family retreat. The goal of this retreat is for growth in your family identity and relationships and to give you time to intentionally pray together as a family unit. The four parts of the family retreat are family bonding activities, prayer, teaching, and fun. We've learned that if you're going to pray with your children, you also need to play with them. When parents develop these four aspects of their weekend away with their kids, the results are amazing. Devoting time to your family has a lasting impact on your kids, especially if you make it a tradition every year. To enable more families to do a family retreat, we have put together a short guide to help lead moms and dads through their own retreat planning process. To access this free download, visit us at MessyFamilyMinute.org. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Father Gerald Murray is our guest, the author of Calming the Storm, Navigating the Crisis Facing the, the Catholic Church and Society. It's due out in early March. You can pre-order it at uh, the St. Paul Center. That's stpaulcenter.com. Uh, Calming the Storm, look for that there. We're going to link to it as well. Welcome back to the program, Father Murray. Thank you, Joe. Uh, last year, I think it came out, there, there was a young uh, priest from Oklahoma who discovered that he had been invalidly baptized uh, using this uh, improper formula of we baptize, as we discussed in the last segment. And for him, it meant uh, he had to be, he had to receive, uh, he had to be baptized properly, receive First Holy Communion, confirmation. He also had to be reordained, he had to be ordained, because he was never validly ordained to begin with. And then the real questions came up, Oh man, what does that mean for all the confessions that he heard or all the masses he said? People up apparently attended an invalid mass. I mean, I know what you said uh, before the break, but I want you to touch on that again. It seems rather startling looking at this. I mean, if this were me and I, I discovered this, I think I'd be utterly scandalized by this. Father Murray. Well, you know, this is where reality is itself. You know, what is prevails over what we'd like it to be. You know, we'd like it to be that it never happens that uh, somebody is not what they are. In mm -hmm. other words, that a priest is not really a priest because something went wrong in the process of making him a priest. But uh, certainly, if you are not baptized, you cannot be ordained. And therefore, even if you receive the ceremony of ordination, you are not an ordained priest. So therefore, the masses that he said were not valid, the confession, the absolutions he gave in confession weren't valid. Uh, but God is not going to punish people because they went to an invalid mass. They didn't know it was invalid. Um, and the communion they received wasn't really holy communion. But God is not going. God will you know, supply in a, in a mysterious and unknown way graces for uh, those people that who are desirous of receiving the sacrament. Mm. Um, now, what happened, what, and the bishop did properly there, was to confer all those sacraments were conferred uh, leading up to him being ordained. And then you look back in the past, you try to contact people, uh, or in the case, that, well, you basically make a general statement. If you had gone to confession to that priest, uh, know that it wasn't a valid confession, but nonetheless, God took into account your goodwill in confessing your sins. 
the mass intention should be said. So that's he should try to track down, if possible, all those masses, you know, offered usually for dead people that uh, will try to will offer a new mass, try to figure that out. Um, but, you know, it's it is what it is. Also, the marriages uh, that he uh uh, witnessed were also not properly witnessed because he was, he, he was, again, was not a priest who was authorized by the church. The church thought he was a priest. So those marriages should be convalidated, meaning that the vows should be uh, re, redone or that the chancery uh, uh, can assist the couple in doing that. So it, this is, it's very complicated. This is why in the seminary, you're taught you have to do what the church says. You can't make it up. This is not a do-it-yourself religion. You know, Father, I was thinking about this, and there was a story in Australia, a very similar story of a priest who had done hundreds of baptisms and was a priest for over a decade, and they realized that he was doing uh, baptisms invalidly for over a decade, and then he was not removed immediately. He stayed for a time. And these stories are not, they're a sizable minority. It's not uh, just one or two priests that's happened. It's, we've heard stories over and over again. And out of an abundance of caution, if anyone has a doubt, I know typically the situation is that you should have a probable doubt before you present yourself for a conditional baptism. But because the sacrament of baptism is so important and so important to our salvation and to all the other sacraments because i can't even imagine a priest becoming a bishop and uh not having been baptized validly should we more liberally give out conditional baptisms for people who have any doubt whatsoever well i would say anyone once a priest has been identified as having invalidly used an invalid formula for instance uh, as in the case of the we baptized then anybody who was baptized by that priest then should be reconditionally baptized. We were conditionally baptized, I would say. It's not a rebaptism, Out of abundance of caution, because precisely, if he used it on a typical basis, you know, for X number of years, the chances are he did it for the years before that X period that is known, and mm. then perhaps, you know, afterwards when it was discovered he was still using it. So... Uh, the best thing you can do is the priest try to give a testimony to the bishop. When did he start uh, disregarding the formula, if he remembers that? But uh, yeah, so if a priest is identified as using an invalid form at any point in his priesthood, then prudence would say anyone who was baptized by him at any period should be rebapt should be conditionally baptized again. Do you recommend, Father, that someone who, a layperson who finds himself in this scenario uh, in, and they present themselves, they, they receive their conditional baptism, do you think that they should make a general confession after that? Um, or do you let the past go and you just move forward? Well, that's a good question, because the general confession means that you, you say all the sins that you can remember for your whole life uh, to the priest. Um, yeah, it is to be recommended, but I, uh, I wouldn't require it as a condition going forward, because again, uh, you know, in the in the case of emergency, mortal sin can be forgiven by an act of contrition. So if a soldier is about to go on the battle line and there's no chaplain, he makes an act of perfect contrition. The mortal sin is forgiven. The church teaches that. Now, the church then teaches he should confess that sin if he survives the battle and is able to get to a chaplain. Uh, so uh, the problem, of course, will be you don't want to encourage people to worry that I can't remember all the sins I ever did in my life, so they might not be forgiven. No, 
if if you I would say yes, say all the sins you can remember uh, that you ever committed. And then the ones you forget, they're also forgiven because God is merciful. Uh, we do have a question here from one of our uh, our regular listeners and viewers. It says, uh, if your conditional baptism is your first true baptism, uh, meaning you've been caught up into the situation, uh, all sin and temporal punishment is wiped out, right? So all past confessed sins would be wiped out. So um, in other words, once they've received this conditional baptism, they have a true and valid baptism at that point. Uh, that is true. Uh, and the, the Yes, and, and that is a very good point. I'm glad the listener made that. Uh, the question comes, of course, um, you know, whether whether the baptism was valid or not is uh, is a matter of speculation, because unless you have direct evidence, what mm. happened? So, uh, yeah, I mean, put it this way. There's also there's a benefit that is gained by confessing past sins. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah, it's a very complicated question, but the viewer's (laughs) point is accurate, though. Okay, praise be to God. We have a a few minutes, about four minutes left in our conversation with Father uh, Gerald Murray, Uh, and I want to talk a little bit about your book, especially in light of some of these troubling stories we've been seeing coming out. Uh, Just today, there's uh, two headlines out about the German Synodal Path uh, now wanting uh, female priests. They're advocating for active homosexuals in the priesthood. Uh, uh, Cardinal Marx and Cardinal Hollerick uh, both promoted that. Uh, we're seeing more and more troubling things. This is essentially a church on the on the precipice of schism. How do we make sense of all this, Father Gerald Murray? Yes, well, we have basically bishops in Europe denying uh, doctrines of the faith, and this is a heretical movement, meaning it is choosing which parts of the faith they want to believe in and rejecting the parts that they don't want to believe in. This is willfulness. It's knowledgeably rejecting what they know the church teaches. When a bishop is ordained a bishop, he has to swear an oath to uphold the faith. These men know what's the catechism of the Catholic Church contradicts everything they're saying about homosexuality, female priesthood. Uh, This is not the teaching of Christ and the church. So it's a disgrace for these men to continue in office. They're subverting you know, this is this is equivalent to a general in an army promoting the other side in a war. Uh, this is not what's supposed to be happening. So my hope and prayer is that these men will repent, and if not, that the Pope will remove them, because they are doing tremendous damage. Can you imagine being a Catholic in, Bish- in Cardinal Hollerick's diocese, where he's telling you that homosexuality is a good thing, and anyone who disagrees with that is unchristian? Mm. Uh, that, that's absurd, but that's what we have now. Yeah, for sure. And your book, I I imagine, addresses these issues. Yes, the book, uh, Calming the Storm, it's an interview with Diane Montagna, who's a Vatican journalist, and it goes into a lot of these problems in the life of the church and the German synodal way we talk about uh, extensively. And it's just, uh, you know, it's as if Martin Luther has more influence uh, over the church than St. Peter does uh, in Germany, and that is a shame. And your, uh, your book will be available in March? Yes, it's now in, at the printers, but uh, given the COVID backlog mm-hmm. in every part of life, including printing books, it won't be available end of March. It's up on Amazon for pre-order, and then St. Paul's Center, uh, is, it's also available on their website for pre-order. And if you go to St. Paul's Center, they'll give you the digital copy already, so you can start reading it on your uh, 
Kindle. Oh, wonderful. Praise be to God. Yeah, that's stpaulcenter.com. Uh, the book is called Calming the Storm. Um, do you recommend, I asked this of a guest uh, the other day, do you recommend that the average lay folk uh, ignore some of this stuff that comes out, statements being made by the Vatican, and, and you just, it feels so uh, you know divisive and scandalous so many times. Uh, does the average lay person need to be aware and reading this stuff? Uh, I think they do, because uh, other people, particularly non-Catholics, are going to come up to them and say, oh, is your religion changing? <laughs> uh, and, you know, and you have to say, uh, no, uh, some of the leaders are doing horrible things. But, you know, this is a sign of internal disorder. It's not a sign of the church rejecting her teaching. Amen to that. Father Gerald Murray, thank you for your time today. Praise be to God. We're very grateful for you having uh, brought us some clarity on the subject. Thank you, Joe. All right. God love you. The book is called Calming the Storm, Navigating the Crisis Facing the Catholic Church and Society. You can pre-order it or get the digital download at uh, St. Paul Center's website. That's stpaulcenter.com. And that is going to do it for hour number one of Catholic Drive Time. Thank you all for joining us. We really love having you on the team here. If you can and you're able to, join us in the second hour. We're going to have a lot of fun. We have a good news story, Saint of the Day, Gospel of the Day, plus our game show. All that and much more is coming up on our second hour. Go to grnonline.com forward slash cdt. God love you. God bless you. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. You could win a 2022 Mercedes-Benz GLA 250 and help drive home the word of God. The GRN is raffling off this night black compact SUV with the luxury and performance you expect from Mercedes-Benz to support the mission of Catholic Radio. This car could be yours for only $25. Buy four tickets, you get one free. The 2022 GRN car raffle ends February 21st, so get your tickets today at grnonline.com raffle. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever heard the church criticized for defending celibacy? What about for defending marriage? Have you ever heard it accused of showing contempt for women, but also sneered at because only women go there? Have you ever heard it attacked for asceticism, but also for extravagance? How about for being dull? How about for being too garish? How about for being too worldly or too unworldly? or insisting that people confess their sins, or showing too much mercy to sinners. Notice any contradiction among the critics? G.K. Chesterton says, here's a broad and simple test. If you hear a thing being accused of being too tall and too short, too red and too green, too bad in one way, and too bad also in the opposite way, then you may be sure that it is very good. Want more than a minute? Chesterton.org.
Your Odyssey begins at the University of Dallas, the premier Catholic liberal arts university in Texas. With campuses in Irving and Italy, UD's rigorous core curriculum sets it apart. An education rooted in the great works of Catholic and Western tradition. An education that ennobles and enables students in their pursuit of wisdom, truth, and virtue. Undergraduate, graduate, and certificate programs available. Start your college odyssey at the University of Dallas today. Go to udallas.edu to learn more. Welcome to your Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God, we ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information from the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious, it's fun, it's your Catholic Drive Time. Now here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you, praise be to God. Good morning. It is Thursday, February the 10th, 2022, and you are only a day away from your weekend. Praise be to God for that, huh? Imagine, just imagine how great the weekend's going to be. It's coming up, and but don't forget Our Lady, I think it's the Feast of Our Lady of Lourdes on, uh, on Friday, so that's tomorrow. So plan to go to Holy Mass, possibly. I know we are. Um, but we're going to have a great hour this hour. Very excited to be on with you. We have a good news story coming up, plus Saint of the Day, Gospel of the Day. And then, of course, our game show, Fear and Trembling, with three more opportunities to win a prize. You could win. It's fun. You should try it if you've never tried it. That's coming up at 15 past the hour. We did just wrap up a wonderful conversation with Father Gerald Murray. You might know him from Raymond DeRorio's World Over Live program. He's on there very frequently, praise be to Jesus. But we had a wonderful conversation about a very difficult topic, and that is invalid baptisms. And there are many lay faithful who are caught up into this category. Priests are caught up into this category who are not properly baptized, which affects everything else. So if you want more information on that and you didn't tune in last hour, make sure to catch the podcast today. And you can do that on our website, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. When you go on there, at the very bottom of your screen is a blue bar. That's the podcast bar. You can listen to the show today. It'll be available like within an hour after the program. You'll be able to listen to today's program right there. Or go to iTunes, go to Spotify, the Google Play Store. Look for the Catholic Drive Time Show and make sure to subscribe and leave a comment and a review on those platforms that helps us reach new people so you'd become partners with us in evangelization. Again, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. Good morning to you, Rudy Carlos. Good morning, Joe. Hey, guess what today is? Uh, I don't know, Thursday? Yes, congratulations. Well hey, done. we're almost done with the week. I know. Well, I was thinking today's the day <laughs> I send out the email. Oh, yes. To the CDT Insiders. Yeah, Yeah, insider email. Mm -hmm. We uh, we give out unique and special exclusive content to just our CDT Insiders. And uh, today's the day I do that. So if you want in on that action, you have to join the email list. Again, everything's linked up on our website, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. Speaking of insiders and secrets and things like that, exclusivity, Adrian Fonseca is here on the ones and twos. Good morning to you, Adrian. Howdy, howdy. Praise be to God. It's good to be here. Is it? It is. Praise be to God. In spite of it all. Despite the fact that there are invalid baptisms happening all over the world, it's still good to be here. How sad is that, huh? <laughs> it's tragic. Very tragic. Terrifying, to be yeah. honest. Yeah, I know. I would be freaked out, totally freaked out. But uh, great conversation, Father Murray, anyway. 
Uh, let's see. Uh, we're going to be sending a nice, cool email to our CDT insiders, as I said a minute ago. You can sign up on our website, and you can get a free talk in the process by Father Bill Casey. And it's a wonderful, powerful, inspirational 30-minute talk, uh, and it'll come right to your inbox. All you got to do is sign up to the CDT Insider email list at grnonline.com forward slash CDT. Uh, Adrian, uh, I know that you've got a whole list of saints today, but you, you chose somebody more obscure this time around. Uh, tell us about the ones we missed. You know what? Because this saint of the day is so short, I'll mention all of them during the saint of the day. I'll hit all, all three of them. them. There's mm-hmm. got to be more than we're gonna, three. We're gonna, well, there's more than three. There's okay. like 20 when I look oh, okay. the list. Okay. But I'm only going to mention three. I'm going to mention three From your head amazing canon? saints. Nope. They are canonized saints. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Officially canonized. Officially canonized saints. <laughs> don't you Not love it when they, saints. Don't you love it when they, when they categorize like, uh, you know, the Vietnamese martyrs or something like that? And there's like 200 of them or something, yes. <laughs> you know, all summarized into one headline. That's what I hope they'll do with the Canadian truckers. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to make martyrs out of them? Well, what? maybe you never know. Ouch! Yeah, let's pray that they make I it out of not, their life. That would that would actually not be <laughs> funny. Let's have a peaceful end to the whole thing. <laughs> All right, praise be to God. Uh, good news story coming, right? Oh yeah, tearjerker today. It actually is really a tearjerker. <laughs> it involves puppies, or uh, well, tune in and you'll find just a few minutes. Okay, okay. Mm. All right, that's coming up. As I said, the game show is also coming up, but you are going to miss out on a beautiful brand-new Mercedes if you don't hurry fast and get your car raffle tickets. They are 25 apiece or a book of five for $100, which means you get an extra one for free, but you do need to get in on this quickly because we're going to pull the winner out in under two weeks now and announce it live on the radio. And it could be you, a brand-new 2022 Mercedes. It might be you. But we get to use the funds to keep Catholic Radio live in your neck of the woods, dear listener. Wherever you are, the station that you're listening to gets to benefit from your purchasing of this car, uh, car raffle ticket. So go to grnonline.com, scroll down till you see the Mercedes, and click on that. Or if you really want to be awesome, call your local Guadalupe Radio Network station manager and ask them about how to get car raffle tickets and also sell some to help benefit the local station. Again, go to grnonline.com for the details. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy, hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, and now your good news with Rudy Carlos. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm Rudy Carlos, and now a good news story for you. Epic Times reports terminally ill teen donates life savings of $1,300 and raises funds for boy who's six to beat cancer. A terminally ill teenager with only months to live has donated a thousand pounds, approximately $1,350 from his savings to a six-year-old cancer-stricken boy whom he has never met. In addition to that, he has also helped raise a further 59,000 pounds, approximately $80,000 for him. Reese Langford, 19, was diagnosed in October 2020 with osteosarcoma, a type of bone cancer that begins in the cells that form bones but over time spreads to the other areas of the body. The ailing teen became aware of the six-year-old Jacob Jones's condition after reading his story and realized that they both were in the same town of Ebuvale, South Wales, in England. 
Jacob had gone through the grueling treatment to rid him of a rare cancer called neuroblastoma, but doctors believe it is now returned. Reese found the story of little Jacob online and he called me upstairs to show me, Reese's mother, Catherine Langford, who's 38, said. He said, I want to donate some money to him and it would be incredible if someone would save him. Catherine was at a loss for words, knowing that her son thought about someone else when he himself was near death's door. Although our hearts were breaking because of our, our son dying, at the same time we were bursting with pride, Catherine said. Reese, who worked as a laborer for, water, for a water supplier before falling ill, immediately decided to donate a thousand pounds in savings for Jacob's treatment. However, he didn't just stop at that. He went further to help Jacob by setting up a crowdfunded uh, fundraiser, which has since gone viral. Reese was a talented athlete before his battle with cancer left him bedridden. At the age of 16, Reese had become one of the youngest people in the UK to achieve a black belt in the martial art Krav Maga at young grading. He's also scaled Snowdon, the highest mountain in Wales, three times and has dreamed of one day going up to Ben Nevis, the highest mountain in Scotland and the UK. Reese's first sign of a health problem began when uh, he had a sprint race with his friends, lost his balance, and fell. Catherine and her husband, Paul, who's 45, thought that Reese had a groin strain. However, after it was found that he had a tumor on his hip. Reese continued working, but reached to a point where he was even struggling to get out of a lorry. In October 2020, after several tests, Reese and his family received the shocking diagnosis. Jacob's father, Alwyn, said words cannot express the Joneses family's gratitude for Reese's generosity. He's a young man who has not long to live, and yet he read Jacob's story and wanted to help him, Alwyn said. He has said that he cannot be saved, so he wanted to help save Jacob. What a wonderful, kind, compassionate young man. Our hearts go out to his family in this really difficult and sad time. What a legacy for this young man. Let's pray for both of them. And um, that's your good news story for the day. The Saints of the Day is threefold. One, Saint Scholastica, the foundress of a Benedictine nun community, and the sister to Saint Benedict, who died in a cave after having her brother visit her. He wanted he wanted to go back home, and she prayed that a storm would stop him. And so it does. And sure enough, she in that cave dies that night with her brother by her side. Praise be to God. The other saint of the day is Jose Sanchez de Rio. You know, the great Cristero martyr, the boy about 14 years of age who gets his feet peeled off, the bottoms of his feet peeled off and walks and marched to his own grave where he refuses to deny Christ and instead shouts all the more, Viva Cristo Rey. But the saint of the day is Saint William of Malevol. He was a Frenchman by birth and spent many years in a desolate life in the military. William went to Rome where he had an interview with Pope Eugene III who ordered him to make a pilgrimage to Jerusalem in penance for his sins. My penance last time was in Our Father. He seems, he seems to have remained in Jerusalem for up to nine years. About 1153, he returned to Tuscany, sometimes living as a hermit, sometimes as a member of a religious community. At first, he led a hermit's life in a wood near Pisa, and he was privileged upon to ta undertake the government of a monastery in that area. But being unsuccessful in attempting to reform the monks, he retired first to Monte Pruno and finally in the desert valley of Stabulum Rhodes, also known later as Malevol, in the territory of Castellón de la Pescaya, in the Diocese of Grosseto, where he was joined by Albert. He died on the 10th of February 1157 and was canonized in 1202. 
After his death, two of his former his followers formed the Order of St. William, which later joined the Augustinians. St. William of Melaval, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from Mark chapter 7, verses 24 through 30. Jesus went to the district of Tyre. He entered a house and wanted no one to know about it, but he could not escape notice. Soon, a woman whose daughter had an unclean spirit heard about him. She came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek, a Syrophoenician by birth, and she begged him to drive the demon out of her daughter. He said to her, Let the children be fed first, for it is not right to take the food of the children and throw it to the dogs. And she replied and said to him, Lord, even the dogs under the table eat the children's scraps. Then he said to her, For saying this, you may go. The demon has gone out of your daughter. When the woman went home, she found that the child was lying in the bed and the demon gone. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. The Venerable Bede said, The time will come when even you who are Gentiles will obtain salvation. But it is right that the first the Jews, who deservedly are wont to be called by the name of children of God's ancient election, should be refreshed with heavenly bread, and that so at length the food of life should be ministered even to the Gentiles. St. Augustine would say he wished himself to be sought for by these Gentiles. He wanted the Gentiles to want him, but not to be made known by his own apostles. Wherefore, it came to pass that not the persons who were his followers, but the Gentiles who entered the house in which he was, published his fame abroad. Close quote, St. Augustine. Pray for us, Venerable Bede. Pray for us. Adrian, what did you find? Yes, Cornelius Lapide had a lot to say, but I just want to read to you what Cornelius Lapide had to say, putting the words into the mouth of the woman here. She, he says, she means to say, it is altogether true what thou sayest, O my Savior. I acknowledge that I am a worthless dog and not worthy that the children's bread should be given to me who am a Gentile. Yet the dogs and the curs are wont to eat the crumbs of bread which fall from the tables of their master's children. Nourish me then as thy dog. I cannot leave my master's table. You cannot drive me from thee either by rough words or by blows. I will not leave thee until thou gives me what I ask. Give me therefore, O most merciful Lord, only a crumb. Give me the least favor of my daughter's health. Let this one crumb fall among us Gentiles and I will gather it up. She presses Christ prudently, convincingly, and yet modestly by his own words and by her humble faith and reasoning conquers him, willing to be conquered by her prayer. Jerome says, I know in her words that I do not deserve children's bread, nor to receive whole food, nor can I sit at the table with the father, but I am contented with the leavings of the dogs. And I think that's what we should meditate on today is think today. Yes, I am a dog. And you know, the Dominicans, they are the hounds of the Lord, right? So, you know, not, not the worst insult. <laughs> All right. Praise be to God. They always got to sneak those Dominican things. It's in required. <laughs> All right. It's time to play our game, uh, Fear and Trembling. It's a Catholic trivia game show, uh, and you don't need to know the correct answers to win our game. You could win and not know a single correct answer. It's possible and it's fun. And we encourage you, if you've never played this game before, why not try today? It's going to be a blast. 
You need to make a phone call, though, and you got to call right now. The first caller is usually the contestant. So the, here's the phone number. I'm going to give it to you. We're going to go to a break. We're going to come back, and we're going to play the game. You ready? Here it goes. 877-757-9424. That phone number is 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424. If you've never called before... Oh, call us and uh, let's have fun. 877-757-9424. We'll be right back. We all know children have a natural innocence and a sense of wonder. Yet our world is full of distractions that can pull families in the wrong direction. But with the help of God and a church family, your children can grow in the security of faith, hope, and love. Weekly Mass provides that critical faith foundation needed in life. So if your family hasn't been to Mass in a while, we'd like to invite you home. Discover more at catholicscomehome.org. Protestants like to use James 2, 10 through 11 against the Catholic doctrine of mortal and venial sin. Because James says, whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. But James can't be denying the doctrine of mortal and venial sin because in 1.15 he affirms it saying that sin in its beginning stages doesn't bring death, venial sin, whereas it does in its more mature stages, mortal sin. The point James is making in James 2:10 through 11 is that we must keep all the commandments in order to avoid incurring the guilt of transgressing the law. We can't say to the Lord on Judgment Day, Lord, I only broke one commandment but kept the other nine. So James 2, 10 through 11 is simply a misfire in trying to take down the Catholic belief of mortal and venial sin. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. For 2,000 years, we've helped the poor and comforted the sick. We've educated generations of children, developed the scientific method and college system. We support marriage and human life. Guided by the Holy Spirit, we compiled the Bible. We are the Catholic Church. With over one billion in our family, sharing in the fullness of Christian faith in the church started by Jesus. If you've been away, visit catholicscomehome.org today. Welcome home. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. The Catholic Trivia Game Show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time and Fear and Trembling. The Catholic Trivia Game Show where we have a secret and hidden agenda. So just like our Lord didn't want the word to get out, I'm asking you, please don't tell anybody about my secrets or my agendas. If you'll promise not to tell, then I will share with you what they are. You ready? All right. Number one, we like to teach the faith. So we look for teachable moments in the questions where you might learn something you did not know before about the Catholic faith, and that's good. Praise be to God. Just think about the bragging rights you'll have. That's, I mean, it's a good thing. Number two, we like to have a laugh. We like to have fun, and our callers tend to be great sports. They laugh with us, and we enjoy that quite a bit, actually. And then number three... We give out prizes, which 
makes this a winner for everybody involved. But if you're new here, here's the deal. I have three Catholic trivia questions sitting in front of me, but I do not ask the caller the question. So they don't need to know the correct answers to win. And instead of asking them, I will ask Rudy and I will ask Adrian, one of which will be correct and the other will be incorrect. The caller will then have 15 seconds on the clock to make a decision. Whom do they trust more, Rudy or Adrian? And then every correct answer goes into the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize. Rudy, what could they win? The sponsor of our game show this week is Outrageous Mom, who is generously sponsoring the game show with a printed scarf. Her Catholic gifts are exclusively hers, designed and manufactured just for Outrageous Mom well made to give honor to Our Lady, Mother of all believers. Each one of their scarf designs has a miraculous medal attached to honor the practice of wearing the sacramental given to the world by Our Blessed Mother herself in Paris in 1830. All fabric designs are her own, and shop owner Laura conceives her ideas, draws a rough sketch, and storyboards for fabric designer Alina to create a unique pattern of beauty. These scarves are just absolutely gorgeous. And uh, check out her website at outrageousmom.com. Or follow her on Instagram at outrageousmom underscore com. All right. Praise be to God. Thank you, outrageousmom.com, for your generous support of our trivia game show. Let's go to the phones here. Uh, Jacqueline, good morning to you. Good morning. Praise be to God, Jacqueline. Where are you calling from? Pasadena, Texas. Pasadena, Texas. That's wonderful. Are you you're a first-time caller, are you not? I am. Hey, now. Welcome to the team. Praise be to God. We're glad you're here. Where do you go to church, Jacqueline? St. Juan Diego in Pasadena, Texas. Hey, now. I love St. Juan music Diego. Director. Are you? Well, we love that. Praise be to Jesus. We're glad you're here. Now, have you been listening for a while? Do you know how the game is played? No, I've, <laughs> I haven't been listening to Catholic radio for quite a while. Um, well, welcome. 10, 10 years. Welcome home, yeah. Jacqueline. Um, <laughs> My husband goes to the Catholic Charismatic Center, and I actually found out about 1430. That's what we listen to in Houston. Yeah. Because of the raffle. Oh, how? And you might win a Mercedes. This is a good deal. I mean, this is a winner all the way around. Praise be to Jesus. All right. Uh, Well, okay, here's the deal. I'm going to explain the rules, Jacqueline. So what you need to know most is that I am on your side here. What? I am am (laughs) your teammate. Don't trust them. And you and I together are going to face the very difficult answers uh, between Rudy and Adrian. I have three Catholic trivia questions, and uh, I'm not going to ask you, uh, Jacqueline. I'm going to ask Rudy. I'm going to ask Adrian. One of them is going to give you a correct answer, and the other is going to be an incorrect answer. And you're going to have 15 seconds to make a decision. Whom do you think you can trust? And then every right answer goes into the cup. Are you ready to play? All right, Jacqueline, you and I together, we could do this. Uh, we will uh, we will start with Rudy, as is our custom, our tradition here at Catholic Drive Time. Rudy, good morning to you. Are you ready? Uh, yeah, I guess. Are you sure? Yeah, you know. Are you sure? Mm, yeah. Okay. Let's play. Okay. Why not? Sure. Let's start with an easy one. Uh, Rudy, what is Latare Sunday? Mm, Latare. Latare is uh, Latin for rejoice. And okay, uh, so okay. I'm going to go with fourth Sunday of Advent. The fourth Sunday of Advent, you're saying, is Latare Sunday. Yeah, actually. No way, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, let's. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, let's see what Adrian has to say. Uh, double major Fonseca. Adrian, That's can, me. You, can you tell I'm Adrian. me? Can you tell me? Probably. Uh, what is Latare Sunday? Latare Sunday. Mm-hmm. Well, it does not mean rejoice. 
No, no. But it is going to be on the fourth Sunday. Okay. But not of Advent. No? But of Lent. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you're saying it's the fourth Sunday of Advent. No, I'm saying it's the fourth Sunday oh, of Lent. Oh, because it was Rudy who said it was the fourth Sunday of Advent. That is correct. Oh, well, Jacqueline, let's be clear here. Adrian says it's the fourth Sunday of Lent, but Rudy says it's the fourth Sunday of Advent. 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Jacqueline, what say you? Mm. I think Latari is third Sunday in Advent. No, no, no. Gaudete. Um, it's uh, Lent, yes. So, Lent is your answer. Fourth Sunday of Lent, yes. Survey says. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got it. well done. Easy. Easy. Well done, Jacqueline. No problem. So wise. Look, see, I told you they were tricky. Easiest I, I thought question. I warned you, Jacqueline. I warned you. They're tricky. So, it's in fact not, doesn't mean, does not mean rejoice, uh, Latari. What does it mean? Uh, that's a good question. I'm not sure. Latari. Gaudete is rejoice. rejoice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's an advent. Gaudete is an advent, and Latari is in, in Lent. Praise be to God. You're in the cup, Jacqueline. You could win. It's possible. Uh, congratulations. <laughs> this next one, this one could be tricky, I suppose. Um, I would probably be tricked by this question. So let's see what happens. We're going to go to Adrian uh, first on this one. Adrian? That's me. I'm glad we've uh, established that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It brings clarity to us. People get confused. I do, anyway. Uh, hey, Adrian, can you tell me what part of the Mass is not changeable? Ah, the part of the Mass that's not changeable. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. That Those would be the immovable feast. Huh. Mm-hmm. I feel like we had that question before. Yeah, immovable feast. The immovable feast. <laughs> you know, <laughs> when, a, when an unstoppable force yeah. meets an immovable object, you, you get, get an feast. unchangeable part of the mass. Okay. Uh, let's, let's, Jack, let's get a second opinion on this one. Hey, Rudy, uh, can you tell me what part of the mass is not changeable? You mean the part of the mass where the priest kind of turns to the left and to the right? Does he? And to the congregation sometimes? Sometimes. You mean the ordinary? The, the ordinary of the mass. The ordinary of the mass. Oh, like the, the parts that don't change, is you're, you're trying to say. Yeah. Okay, okay. Hmm. Uh, Jacqueline, okay, so here's the deal. The question is, what part of the mass is not changeable? Rudy says it's the ordinary part of the mass, whereas Adrian says it's the immovable feasts. 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Jacqueline, what say you? Yeah, the ordinary part of the mass, which is anything but ordinary. <laughs> so true. Survey says, well played, Jacqueline. Yeah, you knew that one. That was. I felt like that was pretty easy for you. Let's uh, let's see if we can't get you in there for a perfect score. But you're doing fantastic, Super Jacqueline. Super easy. Yeah. This is. You think this one's easy? This is the easiest question I've ever had. This next oh, one. Mm-hmm. Okay. Easily the I, easiest I, question. I, I've ever I'm had. gonna go out on a limb here and say, <laughs> Jacqueline. I think this one will be. Probably the easiest for you. Probably the easiest question right. but I think ever had. There'll be other listeners who might say, this one's hard. But Jacqueline, I'm going to say, based on what I know of you so far, you're going to get this one. You ready? Yes. Back to Rudy. Rudy, can you tell me? Receiving Holy Communion by intinction means what? Intinction. Uh, I think they have that with our mysterious brothers over on the uh, Eastern Catholic side. It's um, the host being dipped into wine. Into into wine. Okay. Mm. Well, okay. at that point, it's okay. it's the, the precious blood. blood. Of, yeah. Mm. I don't like the wording there, but I right. knew what you meant. I knew what you meant. Yeah, All right, yeah. Adrian. Can you tell me, receiving Holy Communion by intinction means what? Yes. 
receiving Holy cum- Communion by intinction mm-hmm, mm-hmm. means you take the host okay. that's already been consecrated. Yeah. And you know how the priest has the little uh, bit of water? Uh-huh. You put a little bit of water on the host. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh. Mm. What does that mean? Uh, Jacqueline, to the uh, water flow okay, the Jacqueline, let me help you out here. The question is, what does intinction mean? Adrian seems to think that the priest has to add a little water to the consecrated host, whereas Brother Rudy says it is when the priest dips the consecrated host into the precious blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus and then places it on the tongue of the communicant. 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Jacqueline, what say you? Well, it's not so much who is right, but what is right. It is. It would be the host dipped into the uh, wine. All right, fifteen. Not it, no no dipping into water or putting water <laughs> on the host. No. Survey says, <laughs> yeah, of course. I knew you'd get that one, Jacqueline. I knew. I knew because you said your husband like goes to the charismatic one. center, and they do that all the time there. Congratulations, Jacqueline. You're in for three. You did a perfect game Incredible. today. We got you in How do you three feel, times here. How do you feel? Terrific. Praise be to God. Well, we're glad you played the game with us, Jacqueline. Thank you for being a first-time caller, and thank you for listening to Catholic Radio again. We're glad to have you back. Praise be to Jesus. Uh, you're going to have to tune in tomorrow to know whether or not it's God's holy will that your name gets drawn out of the coffee cup of divine providence and announced right on this show, uh, and you'll win the prize if that's the case. But we're still glad we had fun and uh, laugh and, and got to play the game with you today. That was wonderful. Thank you. All right. Have a great day, Jacqueline. We're going to put you on hold so we get your phone number just in case. But that is going to do it for the radio side of our show. Praise be to Jesus. Thank you, everybody, for joining us on the program today. Do us a favor. Share us with a friend. Make sure to, uh, you know, whether or not you're texting your friends to say, hey, check out this radio show. It's fantastic. Or share the, the video feed on social media. That also is very helpful. But also, do us a favor and join our CDT Insider email list and get the email blast I send out tonight. Go to grnonline.com forward slash CDT. God love you. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. The Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. Today we celebrate the memorial of St. Scholastica. The intention for today's Mass is for all of our online viewers and for those joining us through Guadalupe Radio. The Church is one foundation is Jesus Christ her Lord. She is his new creation by water and the word. From heaven he came and sought her to be his holy bride. 
With his own blood he bought her, and for her life he died. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And with your spirit. Brothers and sisters, let us call to mind our sins, and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. I confess to Almighty, Almighty God, God and to you, she my, my brothers, brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what, what I have done and what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore, I ask the Blessed Mary, ever Virgin, all the angels and saints, and to you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Let us pray. As we celebrate anew the memorial of the Virgin Saint Scholastica, we pray, O Lord, that following her example, we may serve you with pure love and happily receive what comes from loving you. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. reading from the first book of Kings. When Solomon was old, his wives had turned his heart to strange gods, and his heart was not entirely with the Lord his God, as the heart of his da father David had been. By adoring Astarte, the goddess of the Sidonians, and Milcom, the idol of the Ammonites, Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord. He did not follow him unreservedly, as his father David had done. Solomon then built a high place to Chemosh, the idol of Moab, and to Moloch, the idol of the Ammonites, on the hill opposite Jerusalem. He did the same for all his foreign wives, who burned incense and sacrificed to their gods. The Lord therefore became angry with Solomon, because his heart was turned away from the Lord, the God of Israel who had appeared to him twice. For though the Lord had forbidden him this very act of following strange gods, Solomon had not obeyed him. So the Lord said to Solomon, Since this is what you want, and you have not kept my covenant and my statutes which I enjoined on you, I will deprive you of the kingdom and give it to your servant. I will not do this during your lifetime, however, for the sake of your father David. It is your son whom I will deprive. Nor will I take away the whole kingdom. I will leave your son one tribe for the sake of my servant David and of Jerusalem, which I have chosen. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. <clears throat> Remember us, O Lord, as you favor your people. Remember us, O Lord, as you favor your people. 
Blessed are they who observe what is right, who, all, who do always what is just. Remember us, O Lord, as you favor your people. Visit us with your saving help. Remember, Remember us, O Lord, as you favor your people. But they mingled with the nations and learned their works. They served their idols, which became a snare for them. Remember, Remember us, O Lord, as you favor your people. They sacrificed their sons and their daughters to demons. And the Lord grew angry with his people and, abhor and abhorred his inheritance. Remember, Remember us, O Lord, as you favor your people. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. Humbly welcome the word that has been planted in you and is able to save your souls. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. The Lord be with you and with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Glory to you, Lord. Jesus went to the district of Tyre. He entered a house and wanted no one to know about it, but he could not escape notice. Soon a woman whose daughter had an unclean spirit heard about him. She came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek, a Syrophoenician by birth and she begged him to drive the demon out of her daughter. He said to her, Let the children be fed first, for it is not right to take the food of the children and throw it to the dogs. She replied and said to him, Lord, even the dogs under the table eat the children's scraps. Then he said to her, For saying this you may go. The demon has gone out of your daughter. When the woman went home, she found the child lying in bed and the demon gone. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. In today's Gospel, we see Jesus traveling to the district of Tyre, which would be, it would have been in Syria, which of course is not technically a part of Palestine or the Holy Land, where Jesus conducted the majority of his ministry. And so, it's not surprising that their entire Jesus encounters a Syrophoenician woman who is a foreigner, would be seen by the Jews as being unclean, and enters into this kind of fascinating exchange and dialogue with her. Um, it's worth noting that Jews in general refer to the Gentiles as dogs, kind of as uh, street dogs who would kind of be outside of the house and, you know, outside of being the chosen people which was the understanding which Israel had for herself, and rightly so, that God had called Israel as a special child, as a beloved, in order to prepare for the coming of the Messiah. So in this context, we see Jesus then uh, referring to the woman as a, as a dog, which of course to our ears sounds kind of harsh, and it sounds as if Jesus is sort of reinforcing kind of this term which the Jews were using for the pagans or for the Gentiles. But it's worth noting that Jesus actually refers to the woman as being a small dog, or you could actually say as like a puppy, 
as opposed to a street dog. And I suppose in some ways, when you're a puppy, um, you belong in the house and not outside of the house. And a puppy can even be a kind of term of endearment. And from here, the woman kind of gives this brilliant reply. You know, when Jesus says, it's not right to take the food of the children and throw it to the dogs. And the Syrophoenician woman then, again, who supposedly is outside of the scope of grace, she gives this fantastic response of faith in a way to say, even the dogs under the table eat the children's scraps. It's almost like Jesus having referred to her as a puppy, at least he places her in the house. And the puppy, if you have dogs at home, you know the dogs are kind of waiting patiently at the foot of the table, desperately wanting to eat and desperately wanting to be fed. And they got to kind of wait their turn for the scraps or for the food to come down to them. In a way, this is the image with this Syrophoenician woman. She's affectionately referred to as a puppy. She's placed inside of the table and she's waiting. And when her faith activates the healing of Jesus to her daughter who had a demon placed within her, it's a signal that now the time has come to eat even for the Gentiles. That God's message of salvation isn't only for the Jews, but it's intended for all people. And ultimately it's going to be faith which is going to activate. Faith is of course itself God's gift, but our response in faith is what activates the healing touch of Jesus and kind of activates our cooperation and ability to participate and share uh, in the life of grace that God bestows upon us. But it's really this kind of beautiful exchange where Jesus is now saying, the new bond of the family of God is going to be God's grace, which bestows upon us the gift of faith. And it's in that gift of faith that we are united together as one family of God. And the time has come for all of us to be fed, for all of us to be fed by the word of God, and for all of us to be fed by the body and blood of Jesus at this very mass. And so my brothers and sisters, as we go forward, let us ask God for the grace that we would always be uh, grateful that we, through the gift of faith, have been called to be members of his family. And let us also ask for the grace and the courage and the boldness that we would be willing to invite all others to come and eat at the banquet table of the Lord, to respond in the gift of faith so that they too can be full participants in the sacred banquet of the Mass. Amen. Trusting in our Father's love and mercy, let us bring our petitions before him. We pray for our Holy Father, Pope Francis, and for all bishops, that they would be guided by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and for their physical and spiritual well-being. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for all government leaders, that they would enact just laws that would safeguard the dignity of human life at every phase, especially for the unborn and that they would never enact laws that would directly contradict the natural law of God. We pray to the Lord. Lord, Lord hear our prayer. We pray for our family, friends, and benefactors, for all those who have asked for our prayers, for all those joining us online and through radio, and for all those enrolled in the Salt Mass Association. We pray to the Lord. Lord, Lord hear, hear our prayer. prayer. We pray for the sick and the suffering, that they would be given consolation in their faith, and experience the healing touch of Jesus Christ. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. 
We pray for an increase in vocations to the sacred priesthood and religious life. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for an increase in the gift of faith in our own lives, that we would always be open to God's working in our life and to be willing to be led by him to accomplish his will. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. And for those intentions that behold in our heart. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. Merciful Father, we thank you for hearing our petitions and granting our prayers through Christ our Lord. Amen. I sing the mighty power of God that made the mountains rise, that spread the flowing seas abroad and built the lofty skies. I sing the wisdom that ordained the sun to rule the day. The moon shines full at his command, and all the stars obey. I sing the goodness of the Lord that filled the earth with food. He formed the creatures with his word and then pronounced them good. Lord, how thy wonders are displayed wherever I turn my eye. If I survey the ground I tread or gaze upon the sky, Pray, brethren, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. May the Lord accept the sacrifice at your hands. Praise and glory of his name for our good and good of all his holy church. As we proclaim your wonders, O Lord, in the virgin blessed Scholastica, we humbly implore your majesty that as her merits are pleasing to you, so too our dutiful service may find favor in your sight through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Lift up your heart. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and just. It is truly right and just our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere to give you thanks. Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Eternal God, for in the saints who consecrated themselves to Christ for the sake of the kingdom of heaven, it is right to celebrate the wonders of your providence, by which you call human nature back to its original holiness and bring it to experience on this earth the gifts you promise in the new world to come. And so with all the angels and saints we praise you as without end we acclaim. Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Sabaoth, Plenis uncelli et terra, 
Gloria Tua, Hosanna in excelsis, Benedictus, qui venit in nomine Domini, Hosanna in excelsis. To you, therefore, most merciful Father, we make humble prayer and petition through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord you accept and bless these gifts, these offerings, these holy and unblemished sacrifices, which we offer you firstly for your holy Catholic Church. Be pleased to grant her peace, to guard, unite, and govern her throughout the whole world, together with your servant Francis our Pope, and Michael our Bishop, and all those who, holding to the truth, hand on the Catholic and apostolic faith. Remember, Lord, your servants and all gathered here whose faith and devotion are known to you. For them we offer you this sacrifice of praise, or they offer it for themselves and all who are dear to them, for the redemption of their souls in hope of health and well-being, and paying their homage to you, the eternal God, living and true. In communion with those whose memory we venerate, especially the glorious ever-Virgin Mary, Mother of our God and Lord Jesus Christ, and blessed Joseph, her spouse, your blessed apostles and martyrs, Peter and Paul, Andrew, and all your saints, we ask that through their merits and prayers, in all things we may be defended by your protecting help. Therefore, Lord, we pray, graciously accept this oblation of our service, that of your whole family. Order our days in your peace and command that we be delivered from eternal damnation and counted among the flock of those you have chosen. Be pleased, O God, we pray, to bless, acknowledge, and approve this offering in every respect. Make it spiritual and acceptable, so that it may become for us the body and blood of your most beloved Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. On the day before he was to suffer, he took bread in his holy and venerable hands. And with eyes raised to heaven, to you, O God, his almighty Father, giving you thanks, he said the blessing, broke the bread, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it. For this is my body, which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took this precious chalice in his holy and venerable hands, and once more, giving you thanks, he said the blessing, and gave the chalice to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. The mystery of faith. When we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim your death, O Lord until you come again. Therefore, O Lord, as we celebrate the memorial of the blessed Passion, the resurrection from the dead, and the glorious ascension into heaven of Christ, your Son, our Lord, we, your servants and your holy people, offer to your glorious majesty from the gifts that you have given us, this pure victim, this holy victim, this spotless victim, the holy bread of eternal life and the chalice of everlasting salvation. Be pleased to look upon these offerings with a serene and kindly countenance and to accept them as once you were pleased to accept the gifts of your servant, Abel the Just, the sacrifice 
of Abraham, our father in faith, and the offering of your high priest, Melchizedek, a holy sacrifice, a spotless victim. In humble prayer, we ask you, almighty God, command that these gifts be borne by the hands of your holy angel to your altar on high, in the sight of your divine majesty, so that all of us who through this participation at the altar receive the most holy body and blood of your Son may be filled with every grace and heavenly blessing. Remember also, Lord, your servants who have gone before us with the sign of faith and rest in the sleep of peace. Grant them, O Lord, we pray, and all who sleep in Christ, a place of refreshment, light, and peace. To us also, your servants, who those sinners, open your abundant mercies, graciously grant some share in fellowship with your holy apostles and martyrs, with John the Baptist, Stephen, Matthias, Barnabas, and all your saints. Admit us, we beseech you, into their company, not weighing our merits, but granting us your pardon, through Christ our Lord, through whom you continue to make all these good things, O Lord. You sanctify them, fill them with life, bless them, and bestow them upon us. Through him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Amen. Receptis salutaribus moniti, et divina institutione formati, audemus dicere, Pater Noster, qui es in celis, Sanctificetur nomen tuum, adveniat renum tuum, fiat voluntas tua, sicut in cello ed in terra, panem nostrum quotidianum, da nobis hodie, et imite nobis debita nostra, Sicuteus nostimitimus, debitoribus nostris, et ne nos enducas in libera nos Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil, graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church, and graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always. And with your spirit. Let us offer each other a sign of peace. On you stay, qui tolis becatamudi, misetere nobis. On you stay, qui tolis becatamudi, Miserere nobis, anius Dei, qui tolis peccatamundi, dona nobis pacem. 
Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word and my soul shall be healed. An act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you are already there, and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. O Lord, I am not worthy that thou shouldst come to me, but speak the word of comfort, my spirit healed shall be, and humbly I'll receive thee, the bridegroom of my soul. No more by sin to grieve thee, or fly thy sweet control. Eternal Holy Spirit, unworthy though I be, prepare me to receive him, and trust the word to me. Increase my faith, dear Jesus, in thy real presence here, and make me feel most deeply that thou to me art near. Let us pray. Renewed by partaking of this divine gift, we pray, O Lord our God, that by the example of blessed Scholastica, bearing in our body the death of Jesus, we may strive to hold fast to you alone, through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. The Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in peace. Thanks, Thanks be to God. All creatures of our God and King, Lift up your voice and with us sing. Alleluia, Alleluia. The burning sun with golden beam, the silver moon with softer gleam. Oh, praise him, oh, praise him. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. The prayer to St. Michael. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits 
who prowl about the world seeking the ruins of souls. Amen. Prayer of Deliverance Almighty God and Father, we beg Thee through the intercession and help of the Archangels St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Celebrating the culture of life, this is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul.